welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. I am, of course, your host, Marcus Ness, and I've got games and whatnot to talk about, but before I tell you about what I've been playing and all that good jazz, I want to say that I think I'm going to change the way this show is handled from now on. Go back to the way it used to be, where I just ramble on and ramble, 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 eventually get on to what I've been playing, ramble more there, and then end the show, and just have it more of a a free-flowing thing. Because, you know, that's what I like to do. And lately, I've been so fixated on doing a very by-the-numbers show, or a very strict show, more accurately, to put it, where I just have what I'm playing, and I get to that, and that's it. There we go. Our separate ways. And I want to come a little bit more prepared. So, and by that, prepared, I mean... I just mean to say mean a million times in a row that I have the Steam pages open for everything so I can give you their little blurb on what the game is and then tell you about my experience with it. But before I get to all that, I went through a very long process of weeding out my Blu-ray collection a while ago, but I was not as thorough as I could have been. There were a few things that were off limits that regardless of what I thought of the quality of the movies and or shows, they were going to remain because I was stupid. And one of those off limits properties, labels, really, to put it, not, gosh darn, more accurately to say that friggin' again. But one of the labels was the Criterion Collection. I have quite a few Criterion Blu-rays. And plenty that I don't particularly like. And you may be asking yourself, why do you own anything that you don't particularly like. Why would you buy a Criterion for something you don't already know you like? The answer to that is half-price books, which I used to talk about quite frequently because I was a much bigger fan of them than I am now. Because one of the biggest casualties of the pandemic of COVID and all that, one of the biggest first world casualties is the end of their 20, 30, 40, 50% off sale that they used to do quarterly or so, which is where they'd start off the week with 20% off for two days, 30% off for two days, 40% off for two days. And then the last day of the week, we would get a sweet 50% off sale. And I would use that to get Criterions quite often. Sometimes I would find a game I'd want or something else, a book I really want. But for the most part, I was doing that to get movies for the cheap and 
more than anything, anime and Criterion, because Criterion, as we all know, who collect Criterion movies, they are pricey. And so we all know that in July and November, they have the traditional 50% off sale at Barnes & Noble, which Amazon typically matches. They used to only match, or they used to match the price plus tax or plus shipping, I think, is how they used to do it. And that wasn't great, but they price match them now exactly. So there's that sale, of course, which knocks your Blu-rays down to $20 or the 4K now that they've gotten into the 4K came down to $25 but to get an even better deal during the half price sale they would have the used copies for $20 already because it's half price and that's half price MSRP and you could also be pretty safe it's not 100% guaranteed but with Criterions usually the people who buy those movies Take good care of them. So if they end up at a secondhand store like a half price books, they're probably going to be in like new or at the very least very good condition. So you don't have to worry about paying for a used copy that's in shit condition. But during that sale, the 20, 30, 40, 50% off sale, you're able to get Criterion's Blu-rays for $10. That is a very good deal. So I would not buy anything, but I would look at stuff, read the description, check out Blu-ray.com, check out some of the reviews, critics, and whatnot, and take the risk. Gamble with a purchase, because even if I didn't end up liking it, Criterions hold their value pretty well, and at the very least, I'd be able to get my 10 bucks back. But I got into this headspace where I looked at Criterion as more prestigious and more worthy of keeping regardless of my personal feelings because it's Criterion. And I didn't treat other labels, other boutique labels the same, not Kino Lorber, Arrow, Olive Films, etc. I didn't treat any of them the same. Just Criterion. And this past week or so, at first when I was thinking about some movies I liked as a kid that I got from Disney Movie Club because they're only available there and I just made myself think I actually wanted them, I decided to get those or get rid of those from my collection. I then started thinking, well, do I want to have every Pixar movie and every Disney animated movie? I don't know. Am I ever going to watch The Good Dinosaur? Really? I watched 10 or 15 minutes of that one time, and I thought it was the most boring, dull, unimaginative, from a visual standpoint as well, movie from them. And I was, I had no interest to keep watching it. That may be the only Pixar movie I've ever started and not finished. Because there are plenty I still haven't started yet, but... Maybe the Cars movies, I don't know if i finished all those. But I got to thinking about that, and then that led me to Criterion. And 
my stupid mentality I've had with them all this time. Because there are movies of them, of theirs, that I own that I really, really hate. Breaking the Waves? Fuck that movie. If you don't know what Breaking the Waves is, just read the synopsis, see how it ends, and you fucking tell me if that's a movie you want to fucking own and ever revisit. No thank you. No thank you. I think that's Lars von Trier, who, no. I already, like, why, why do you even take the chance on that? I don't like that, dude. But then there's Ghost World. I cannot stand the characters in that movie, specifically the main character, specifically the main character. I don't like her. I don't want to spend any time with her. I'd rather watch Lady Bird. And I don't like Lady Bird. There are plenty of others that I don't need to go one by one by one. But I have been cleaning that out now. Getting rid of the things I don't want. And there are way more than I was expecting. I, I think that ultimately when it's all said and done, I may end up getting rid of a third of my Criterion collection. Maybe more. I don't think it's going to be quite 50%. But I think it's going to be in that 33% base. Rosemary's Baby, that's another one. I know Enchi's a fan. You can have it. Unless you really want the 4K. I don't know if the 4K is a good 4K or not. But the Criterion that I own is out of print. It's available from Paramount in a standard edition, but I don't know if it has the same special features or if there's anything Included with the Criterion specifically that makes it a still desirable out-of-print release. Because there is the out-of-print, one of the, the most prominent out-of-print Criterions is, I think, the Third Man. Which, I'm not sure what the going rate for is it, uh, going rate for it is. But I think if you just went to Amazon, maybe for a new copy, it would cost 300 or something ridiculous. I could be very off. But I know it's quite expensive, but you can get a standard release of the movie. But I don't know what it's missing in terms of special features or stuff like that. Or maybe the picture quality is worse. But that is where I am with my collection. I know what you're all thinking. This is not this is not what I've been waiting for. Just talk about the games. I, I I thought I wanted to hear you ramble on and just free flow it, but now that I've gotten a taste of it, I don't want it. And I know what you want. I know what you want. You want me to talk about the games I've been playing, which include Spirit of the Island, The Sisters 2 Road to Fame, Wizard with a Gun, Long Gone Days, Warm Snow and Swap Shot. Also, just to throw out my little thoughts, the Xbox Partner Program Showcase, whatever it was today, is all right. I think they need a voiceover of some kind just to give it a bit of a personality to give the show a bit of life because it felt very empty. I don't mind just getting trailer after trailer after trailer and them telling us 
If you want more information, go to Xbox Wire. That's fine. But no voiceover whatsoever felt a bit on the empty side. But the, the highlight was definitely Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth saying, hey, by the way, we just put fucking Animal Crossing in here. All right. Bye. <laughs> just go. Okay. Cool. What's well, not in that game? That's exciting. Really weird, but who knows when I'll get around to that one because I still have so many Yakuza games to play before I get around to Infinite Wealth. Where am I? I think... Oh, shit. I think I've only played Zero and Kiwami. So we've got Kiwami 2, then 3, 4, 5, 6, and then 7. Seven's like a dragon, right? And then the, the offshoot tangent ones, like a dragon Ishin. Well, like a dragon Ishin, is that the name of just the, the side stories in general? Is Ishin the one that is in the past, but is also the... No, no, it's a man without a name or some shit. I don't know. There are so many, but it'll be a while till I get to infinite wealth. But yeah, we also got some in-engine footage of Snake Eater Delta, which looks all right. I don't know if they've talked about a release window, but overall the visuals were pretty nice the environments were especially nice the model for snake i'm not so sure about and then the water didn't look good but outside of that it's looking good i really want to play that collection but again time other stuff it's just there's just so much still or we're getting there we're getting there the fact that i was able to play that terminator game is impressive in its own way but let us start with what I've been playing and all that jazz starting with Spirit of the Island which is a beautiful life sim sandbox RPG with cross-platform online co-op set on a tropical archipelago build your farm grow crops and animals craft grow animals okay Craft various items, cook dishes, gather resources, build shops and museums to attract visitors, and turn a desolate island into a prosperous tourist destination. So this is a life sim a la Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon, etc. Farming simulator where you're going around collecting resources, crafting, building out your farm, clearing it out, making it look all pretty, while also having a bit of survival mechanics in it in terms of having to worry about your thirst and hunger and tiredness. But it's a very, very cute game. The aesthetic reminds me a bit of the Muppets, specifically in the Burton Ernie vein. So it's very cute. The thing about it, one, I appreciate that it pretty much opens up itself right from the start. But that's right after they bombard you with tutorial after tutorial after tutorial. And by tutorial, I mean just a text box 
telling you about this tab and that tab and this aspect of the game and that aspect of the game. And there is a lot in this game. And it is overwhelming the way they just bombard you with everything in the first three minutes. There are a dozen tabs in the menu that are all for different things. Some are more elaborate, more intricate than others. Some are just, here's a map of the world. You can't get a map of the specific area you're in, just a map of the whole world. And it's a pretty large world, seemingly, from the, the map. But the, the one thing about it is that as cute as it is, it is cumbersome. There is a lot going on. It doesn't piecemeal you things. It just sort of gives you everything all at once. And that can be overwhelming. And it also makes the game, while visually inviting for younger folk, I don't think it's particularly... It's, it's tricky because I don't know... I look at Minecraft and... Probably if I jumped into that, I would think the same thing. Except Minecraft doesn't have as... I don't... It's, there's just a lot. And, and and part of it is that the, the controls are a bit cumbersome. I think with Minecraft, it's a bit more straightforward and it's just here. Go smash things, you'll get the resources, and then you'll craft things. And you just you're just discovering things. And that's more about discovering exploration where this is more about interacting with the community folk, building relationships, building out your farm, and all that jazz. I like it. I think it, I think it's a game that you could... It, it could be a very pleasant time sink. You can make it more challenging for yourself in terms of how quickly your hunger goes up and your thirst and all that. Or you can make it relatively easy and more relaxing which I highly recommend going that route and when you do that you're 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 pretty safe to just kind of go and do your own thing go the route you want there are things that you should do in order to open up specific parts of the world first but it's it's a game that once I got through all the tutorials, because those are those are exhausting. It's just a lot of reading and a lot of there's this in the game and there's that in the game and there's this the blah, 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 and I'm like fucking what the fuck? Leave me alone. Once I got through all that, I just had fun fiddling with the game, exploring more of it, finishing quests, learning the crafting system, building a, a fishing rod so I could go fishing which is a bit of a weird mechanic where you, you throw out your lure and when a fish gets interested, you just watch this bar slowly repeat and when it, when it shows you this icon, then you start reeling it a bit, which is okay. It's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's different, which is nice. It's, it's better than just having the same mechanic in every single game. One of the things that I, I did miss is that with fishing and, and with other things too, there's a bit of a personality uh, lost here in that when you catch the fish, it just is added to your inventory. There's no, ooh, look what I got. Like a dragon knew that you should at least have that. Look at these, like, shoves a fucking fish in the camera. 
it looks cute. It looks nice. Runs well. Not bad. Not bad. That is, again, Spirit of the Island. Haven't been able to try out the co-op, but that's a nice little feature, too. It's only online, I believe. I think it originally said that there was split-screen co-op, but then they responded to somebody and said that they removed that information because it was not accurate. But next up is the Sisters 2 Road to Fame. Get on trend and take the road to fame. Double the trouble, double the fun. Our sisters are back to cause twice the chaos. That does not in any way describe what the game is. Horrible description, Steam. Which isn't Steam's fault, because I'm sure it's the developers or publisher who put that description out there. But what this is, is just a collection of mini games. There is a story mode where you are fighting, I guess, with your sister to get the most followers, <laughs> followers, followers on, I forget what they call it. It's a TikTok clone, but it's like, <laughs> all I can think in my head is shit talk because I don't like TikTok, but it's not shit talk in the game. It's sis talk or something, which doesn't sound that much better. But you're, you're just trying to get more followers and you do this by going up to people who have little question marks above their head or something and you just make them follow you. But then also by playing mini games with people across the world, completing little quests like chasing a truck and catching up to it. And then outside of that, in the main menu, you also have a various... Uh, a handful of other ways to play the mini games, whether it be playing a single mini game of your choice or doing a more random type of tournament setup or something where you go through every single mini game in order. But the campaign mode one, when you're in the open world, it feels stuttery, it does not feel smooth, it's not super stable it doesn't seem it, it doesn't feel good to be in that open world exploring and doing anything alright watch shut up and the minigames themselves which are the bread and butter of the game the most important thing those are pretty weak all the ones I've played have been subpar and in it, not not a single minigame I've played would I want to play again, which I think says a lot. So, subpar minigames, poor performance in the open world area with really shitty exploration and stuff to do. You get your followers by just go like there's just people scattered all over the world that have a question mark or something above their head that just says, "Hey, come up to me and press the A button and." you'll get a new follower. Oh, okay. Really, really make me work for this. And then you can just find some objects here and there. But it's it's a pretty dull world to explore. And the writing is not good. Nor is the voice acting. In all honesty, what I remember of the first game, I think I like that one more. This one just has a... 
better overall art style. It's very similar, but it just looks a little bit nicer. But again, performance takes a hit. But the performance in the first one was not good either, so it is what it is. Then we have, that was again, Sisters 2, Road to Fame. Next up, we have Wizard with a Gun. Wizard with a Gun is an online sandbox survival game for one to two players set in a magical wilderness wrought with dangerous creatures and arcane mysteries. Embark on a journey alone or with a friend to collect, craft, and outfit your wizard however you see fit as you explore the unknown. This is a rogue light, I guess. Except I have not died yet because it's relatively easy what I've experienced. But the crux of this game is the world has fallen into chaos and you have to use this gate mechanic at your little home base to rewind time and learn what is going on while also gathering more gears to fix your little rewind door thing so that you can rewind more time and get the world back to a better place. Gameplay-wise, it is a twin-stick shooter. And I've definitely come to realize this year in particular that when it comes to twin-stick shooting mechanics, I have a minimum in terms of projectile speed that I require in order to enjoy the experience. Wizard with a Gun does not meet that that minimum speed. However, given that it's a game with all of these other mechanics and the, the twin stick shooting is just a means to dealing with enemies or destroying certain objects to collect resources, I'm more forgiven it's not a straight action game. It is much more of a survival adventure game. Survival uh, adventure exploration game. I don't mind the slow nature of bullets. And with your guns, you're able to craft various types of bullets. So you have your base bullet, but then you have a heat bullet, ice bullet, poison bullet, and a charm bullet. And depending on the gun, you can load multiple bullets into them. But what you're doing is using this device to rewind time for each of your runs. When you're done during a run, you'll you either die, which again, I haven't done, or you return to your gate and return to your base to deposit your resources, craft new items, drop off any gears you've collected so that you can advance the story and the world. And the way it works is that when you rewind time, you'll have a certain limit. The initial amount of time you're given is five minutes. What that means is when you go on your run to explore the other area, the other realm, to figure out what's going on and gain the resources and all that jazz. Once you arrive, the clock will start ticking. And when it hits zero, then the world will start becoming more and more hostile and falling more and more into chaos. And when that happens, you're going to want to get the hell out of there. You can get extra time by dealing with these little 
portal things that if you destroy them, you'll gain 30 seconds, I think is uh, how much you always get from them. But the gameplay really is just going on these runs, destroying objects, fighting enemies, collecting resources, allowing you to craft more bullets and more of this, more of that. And, and more so than that, finding gear so that you can advance the world. It looks nice. It has a very striking aesthetic, high contrast. It is very reminiscent of Don't Starve in terms of its look and feel, if you play that. But my main problem with it, and you also have a little book on you that you're able to scan objects of import or enemies that allows you to get information for them, which is all right. But the gameplay and the game itself was just kind of dull. I didn't find going on these little short runs to be super exciting or fun. And more so than that, I don't like the twin stick shooting mechanic. While I am fine with the slower projectile speed given the nature of the game, what I don't like is that it utilizes the lock-on feature that you can't turn off. And when you are aiming at an enemy, if they move a little out of the way or you move your, your, your cursor a little out of the way, you will miss them. If you're not locked on, you're not going to hit them. And it makes it so that you're either locked onto them and centered on them or you're way off of them and it just doesn't feel super great it, it makes it makes the the shooting feel weird because when you're in that space you'll lock onto them but if they move a little out you your your aim seems like it's so far away from them. it's not a crazy amount of distance away from them, but it feels like regardless of where you're pushing the analog stick in if they get out of the way, it's not going to be a one-to-one -one direction. So it feels a little weird. But with that, it's, just, it's not super satisfying. And I wasn't super intrigued by the world and what was going on. So while it looks good, and it has a lot of elements in it that I do like crafting and all that it just didn't quite all come together and then navigating the menus is clunky in that there are certain things that seem like obvious choices to be made that aren't in the game for instance if you open up a chest instead of having a button corresponding to take all you have to scroll, and every time you open the menu, your cursor, your your icon, whatever, is all the way on the left side of the screen. And then the chest you open is on the right side of the screen. So you have to scroll all the way to the right side and then down to the take all button and click it. And it would be really nice if it was just, there was a corresponding button when you open a chest that just allows you to take everything and not have to do that little bit of extra work it's obviously not a huge deal there are a lot of little things like that in the game that 
make it feel like it's an early access game that has a planned release for three to six months down the line. It feels like it could use just a little bit more time in the oven to iron some of the kinks out and optimize things a little bit better. And then it could be maybe a bit more interesting. Throw in some stuff, get rid of this lock-on shit if you don't want to use it. Make it feel a little bit better. But it's okay. It's okay. I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Just sort of like, yeah, it's fine. If this year wasn't so packed full of things to play, it, it would have a better shot. That is again, Wizard with a Gun. Then there is Long Gone Days, a modern day JRPG that imagines a world of war, overcome language barriers, forge unlikely friendships, and find hope amidst conflict. This, to read more of the description story, follow Rourke, young man trained from birth to be a sniper for the Corps, a subterranean paramilitary state. On his first mission, he's sent to the service under orders to, of great significance, Motivated to finally be able to show his fruits of his training, he carries out his first orders to perfection only to find out that the Corps was far from being the noble organization he thought he knew. This is a weird JRPG-like where some of the gameplay mechanics involve you just in the sniper scope and then you're shooting enemies and doing that and it's very easy. You have a limited number of bullets so you have to make them count but it's, it's easy to do. You have a, a time limit, but plenty of time to get it done. Enemies don't move that much, so that's whatever. And then the other turn-based combat is akin to first-person dungeon crawlers where you're in a first-person perspective and you can fight enemies and focus on a certain limb that may have a, a greater chance of evading, but it might, if you do land a hit, potentially give you some kind of bonus negative to your enemy, paralyze them, so on and so forth. And that all feels fine. It has a really, it has really nice colorful pixel art. That kind of is going against the, the tone of the, it has a very weird tone. The story has some really silly, whatever, juvenile dialogue. And then the story it's trying to tell is one that is very morally it's 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 weird because it's trying to say some serious stuff. Feels akin to Spec Ops The Line, for instance. And every serious moment in the game doesn't land in part because it has this very colorful pixel art. And then when characters talk, not all the time, but quite often what is coming out of their mouths is just, really? Really? This is what you have to say? And that is what ultimately hurts the experience. And what I've played so far is just 
I'm finding it really hard to engage with the story and the characters because there is a weird tonal contrast there along with the visual contrast. And then the the, the, the JRPG mechanics, the turn-based combat and all that, it's, it's super fucking basic so far. And I don't know if it's going to get any more complicated. The sniper sections are boring as hell. So, first impression is not exactly my jam, but that is long gone days. Then, we've got Warm Snow. Warm Snow is a rogue-like action game with a background set in a dark fantasy world where the airy Warm Snow holds sway. You will play as the warrior Bayan on a crusade against the five great chaos clans, clans, five great clans, in order to save a world teetering on the brink of destruction. This is a roguelike action game with combat reminiscent of stuff like Diablo, or I've seen people compare it to Hades, but I haven't played Hades. Very action centric, very fast. Utilize a dash mechanic. And depending on the swords you find, various relics you're able to equip to one of four slots, you're able to create different builds for each run that can do stuff like ground pounding and stunning enemies, shooting out little swords after every five melee attacks, granting you super speed and super strength for five seconds, and stuff like that that They all have their bonus advantages and the various relics can work in line with each other. You you find a nice balance between them, stuff that works well together. You can eventually get all the same relic for each of the four slots to get everything falling in line with it as well. And then depending on the sword you have, they'll give you some boosts as well. All that feels pretty good. Looks all right. What I didn't quite. I've. I just hit like a fucking brain friggin' party wall. One of the things I don't like though is that it calls itself a roguelike, and that is relatively accurate. But you, there are roguelite elements. It, it is a roguelite technically, but it is in this weird space where while you are typically, you, you should be able to do good from run to run to at least be able to make some progress. The progress between run feels pretty slow, which is this. But the combat itself, you also have a handful of swords on your person all the time that you're able to shoot out projectile wilds and that that also adds to some of the strategy with combat because you can get some perks that if you you your attack your melee attack will go up by five percent for every sword that you don't have sheath which is something i liked using a lot that particular perk but in my time with it I found the comment, it just, it was fine. It was fine. 
the story was whatever gave me Kung Fu Panda vibes in the beginning where they're like, oh, this is the clan of the tiger and the rain and the whatever. No panda, though. And the warm snow stuff is fucking weird. It, it opens with a cinematic with the little girl going out. Look, Ma, snow, but it's warm. Cough, cough, cough. And then she goes, she turns into a fucking demon. I was like, what the fuck? All right. But it's another one that feels a little janky in ways and stuff that has me a bit concerned, like the fact that when you finish a run and you're thrown into the upgrade menu, after you've put your point in any of the one of the, the three skill tree sections that are available uh, relating to health, attack, and I think magic or something. The only way to leave that menu is to exit out to the main menu. And that's weird. There are things like that that have me a little puzzled. But the game itself is okay. It feels pretty good. I enjoy the combat. But I, I don't particularly care about anything else. Which isn't a bad thing, exactly, but it, it, it's just another case where you got something going for you, but not everything is there. And again, this year is just there's there's so much to play that you need more than just a single aspect to to warrant one's full time. It's okay. Another game that's okay. Last but not least, though, is Swap Shot. In Swap Shot, you take control of this fearless protagonist equipped with an incredible teleportation gun. Your mission is to overcome a series of challenges in a world filled with 2D platforms and intriguing puzzles. This is a 2D platformer, pixel art, where... Your goal for each single screen area is to reach the door at the end of it, which could be on the left side, the right side. And that's all you're doing. You're avoiding spikes, jumping on some platforms, getting keys when you need them. And the teleportation mechanic doesn't introduce itself until I believe the 12th level. But it's, it's, it's a cool mechanic because you have to think about it more than just, okay, there's a, because you're able to teleport with boxes in the world. So if there's a box somewhere, you shoot it with the bullet. And when the bullet hits the box, you will tra uh, trade places with the box. The spice to this that makes things interesting is that you will teleport with the box, not from where you shot the bullet, but from where you currently are. And this means that there are times where you have to shoot a bullet and then you have to do some quick platforming to reach a certain area so that the box will be teleported to where you are uh, by the time the bullet hits it. You have to be fast 
and then there's some instances where you have to really think about where you want the box to be teleported to. So there, there is a bit of thought that goes into these puzzles more than just finding a position to where you can shoot the box and transport there so that you'll end up in the area you need to be. It's not just the box is where you need to be so that you can finish a level and more so you need to do a little bit of back and forth. And you have a limited number of bolts for, for each level so you can't just go crazy teleporting back and forth. Super simple, super straightforward. But the, the puzzles were were not bad. It's it's a it's a pretty solid single sitting puzzle platformer that I had a, a decent time with. I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised by it. Didn't do anything crazy. The the art was better than I was expecting. But uh it's it's one of those games that you can play through the majority of it all in one sitting, get your fill and be be happy with it. So if you if you're into two D puzzle platformers, check out Swap Shot. That is it and that is all. So that will do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Once again, I am Marcus Jens. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. If you enjoy this here show or any of the stuff I do and what have you, you can support me and my nonsense over at patreon.com slash PXS, which if you support me at the all you can eat, is that what I call it? Is it, is it all, all you can, no, all you can oatmeal. Gosh darn it. If you support me at that tier, you get access to a weekly Q&A, if there are enough questions asked, that is, as well as potentially some private streams and I'm thinking to myself if this sounds enticing then maybe you're going to want to join but I'm thinking when I hit the point where I feel like I have the time to do it that it could be fun to play and stream once a week for those folk Baldur's Gate 3 I think that would be a very good game for just some good old fashion Hangout streams. That's not a guarantee, but that is something I've been thinking about. That is again, patreon.com slash PXS. If you like links to more than just the Patreon, but also including the Patreon, like the website, the YouTube, the Discord, and more, you can find all of those over at PXSausage.com. That is again, PXSausage.com. But that is it. That is all. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have both a wonderful rest of your day, a lovely rest of your week, and a wonderful weekend. And for Jedi, I will be wishing the very best luck to you and your Diamondbacks. Here's to them winning another World Series, even though Mark Grace is not a player on the team anymore. It would be ridiculous if he was, but he was when they won. At one time, and that made me very, very happy. So I hope your Diamondbacks make you very, very happy by winning another World Series. But that is it. That is all. Adios. Arrivederci. Bye. <laughs>